Good evening, everybody. What's up? It's uh, Wes and Andy. We are back we with are. another episode of The Fan Batch. We're sans Hank again. Well, that's okay, though. I mean, uh, yeah. life uh, life does uh, have a funny way of uh, rearing its ugly head sometimes. and uh, stuck adulting. <laughs> I know he would rather be here with us. We would rather him be here with us, too, because um, there was a lot of cross-chatter this week yes. about this week's episode. I don't want to spoil too much because we are going to talk um a lot there's lots to talk there about. is lots to talk about this there's, week there's deep dive easter eggs there's new developments there's all sorts of stuff before we get going though is it time i do believe it is time for another round of bad star wars jokes perfect <laughs> as always this week's bad star wars joke comes from the internet where all the best jokes come from that's <laughs> <laughs> where we store them all that's right Hey, what do you call an invisible protocol droid? I don't know. What do you call an invisible protocol droid? See through PO. That's good. All right. Did you like that one? I did like that one. Did you hear about the Gungan cab driver? I did not. Yeah, his name was Car uh, Car Banks. Oh, no. <laughs> it's a double shot. There we go. Get a double shot of uh, bad Star Wars jokes. All right, let's get this thing rocking up in here. Um, what did you think of uh, this week's episode? I liked it. It was uh, it was very populated. It was it was really nice to see that much more world building done. Oh, okay, yeah, like, yeah. We we didn't just go on a standard mission with them. We got to see a whole other side of basically Sid's side hustles. We did. Uh, we did. Uh, I, I felt like it, it, it maintained the status quo of mission of the week. Yeah. Um, I would say so interesting that they chose to separate. Yes. Uh, the team as it were right out the gate and have, um, your, I don't want to say your heavy hitters, but to have Hunter and, uh, echo yeah. absent for this one. Interesting choice. But at the same time, like episode one and two, they kind of did the same thing where they split one team going this way and one team going that way. That is true. We know they'll come back together. Um, did you follow any of the uh, other media outlets uh, that cover this stuff? I tried not to. I I basically waited until I was done my notes before I looked at anything else. Uh, the the general consensus it seems is that uh, everybody is equating this episode uh, to like a giant callback hmm. to the Phantom Menace, particularly the the pod racing sequence. Fair enough. I, I see the echoes of it, but, uh, uh, on some degree, I agree with that it, to a certain degree it is. However, <laughs> I will say this entire episode is a love letter to the racing genre of video games. I mean, <laughs> I took a few minutes this week and, and came up with that. <laughs> I would agree there. Star Wars, uh, batch racer now 100% more tech. There you go. <laughs> Anyway, you were going to say, uh, I, I would also throw in, this is more along the lines of like a horse race where, okay. you know, like your droids act as your, uh, jockeys, if you will. Oh yeah. Okay. It's more geared towards the betting than the pod race was geared towards the winning. I found it interesting that, uh, that without any, I mean, I don't know how else you could have introduced this, but that Sid just sort of had this in her back 
pocket. Yeah, and just said, hey, we're doing this now. Like, oh, I got this side hustle that I've been backing, and oh, I just never told you about it before now. And that's fine. But it makes you wonder how many other uh, side hustles are going on that they're going to get dragged into this season. Well, I, I will talk about that later on. I do want to sort of touch on sort of how... I mean, this episode superficially, like I said, it is a giant love letter to video games. And if you watched it for nothing more than whiz bang, yeah, it was incredibly fun. I, I probably like this episode maybe more than I should. Um, I, I tend to like a lot of adult fans. I like a little bit more genuinely, generally speaking, I like a little more substance, but this episode had so much going on in the minutia that if you, if you weren't looking for it, you would have missed it. Yeah. And like, it, it doesn't just stop at the pod race. It throws back to episode one. Yeah. But then also goes forward into the sequel trilogy as well. Well, with, with elements of it. Absolutely. Uh, A lot of, so now we've got two episodes, uh, at least uh, two in my mind that are uh, tech centric. And you know me, I am a huge tech fan. He's been my favorite, uh, my favorite character since season one. Um, we got some emotional development from tech this episode that I think if you, if you weren't paying attention, you might miss it. It's brief. He's more than just the walking droid brain computer wizard. Yeah. He's all of that as well, but more, but there's more going on. So in episode one where, uh, the new pirate, she kind of just, you know, he opens his mouth to say his phrase Yeah, and she instantly writes him off. Yeah. And like, is no, no, there, there's more there. I agree. I agree. Um, something that we've talked about, and this, this is more for you guys, for our audience. Um, you guys who've been watching us, uh, for the last couple of years, you know, uh, as I'm uh, fond of saying, we will never be first, but we will always be thorough. And once again, I will stand by and say our little show here. Um, is once again about to prove why it's more important to be thorough than it is to be first, because there is a super, super deep solo reference in the episode that if you Blink and yeah, you will miss it. If you weren't paying attention, completely gone. Um, and it's super deep and super obscure. So only the craziest nerds like us really even care anyway. But <laughs> you ready to get into this? Let's do it. All right, so this one is uh, The Bad Batch. It's episode 204. This one is called Faster, released on... Uh, did I get the date right? I did. It is released. Uh, was released on Wednesday, January 18th, uh, 2023. This one written by uh, Matt McNavetz and directed by Stuart Lee. The runtime on this one, uh, it's advertised as uh, 26 minutes, but has a far leaner uh, actual runtime of uh, 21 minutes and 42 seconds without titles or end credits same as the last one very close yeah 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 well not or time-wise but like having that leaner the lean advertised the the live action series always blow me away because the 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 credits are like sometimes like seven or eight minutes long um lots of animation going on there however yeah our episode synopsis this week reads the team enters the colorful and dangerous world of racing. So let me just change up our view here and let's move on, shall we? All right. The episode opens with the familiar long shot overlooking uh, Ord Mantell. It's daylight, by the way. We don't often see it in the middle of the day. 
Yeah, we might though, but maybe they're just down in the depths of it. Uh, maybe, yeah. Obscured by building shadow. Cutting to uh, street level, we get a very cool uh, cameo from an Aqualish uh, character who is dressed just like the vintage uh, Kenner action figure. Nice. Now, um, I want to ask, did we see this animation model in season one? I believe we did catch a glimpse of it when uh, they were running from Fennec Shand. Okay. In that episode. I couldn't remember. I, I thought maybe we did, but okay. I think we did. Fair enough. We transition inside uh, Sid's place where we see Omega and Wrecker are playing a game of uh, Dejaric while Tech sits at the bar studying his data pad. Um, what's interesting here is we get to see both Tech and Wrecker in a more relaxed state of dress. Uh, guys, if you haven't watched it uh, already, we did a short video uh, just a few weeks ago sort of on the uh, updated animation models. Um, we may need to update that again. It looks like um, Hank called this his, uh, what do you call it? His uh, Saturday armor or whatever it was. Essentially, it looks like he's just taken everything off. Uh, but the basics. Yeah, he's left the chess piece on. But it gives us a clear indication that I thought the shoulder piece was replaced. It's not. That's the under padding for his for original. Bigger. Yeah. So it, that tells me that one of those shoulder pieces, the actual armor, is actually gone because he's only got one of those. Anyway, uh, Tech looks like he's wearing nothing above the waist, mm. uh, just like a like a vest and a shirt, which I thought was pretty cool. Anyway, um, Omega beats Wrecker at the uh, Dejara game, and she gleefully exclaims that he now owes her two cartons of Mantel mix. In a bid to try and even the odds, Wrecker offers her one more game, double or nothing. And then uh, Sid ends up interrupting them with the prospect of a new job. Omega remarks that Hunter and Echo are still out on another mission, but Tech interjects, suggesting that Transporting 50 cases of Nerf Nuggets isn't exactly a mission or a proper use of their skill set. Must um, be expensive Nerf Nuggets. Nerf Nuggets. Uh, let's talk about Nerf Nuggets for a second. Nerf Nuggets are uh, were first introduced. They, they are, a, in fact, a canon uh, thing. Nice. Introduced in the 2015 canon novel, um, uh, Heir to the Jedi. Uh, a bite-sized meat product made from Nerfs. <laughs> They could be enjoyed on their own or as a side dish. Hmm. Nerf and that's, nuggets. Yeah, that's all we're going to talk about on Nerf Nuggets. Well, brushing him off, Sid tells them that their skills will be very useful on this mission, especially Wrecker, as uh, she tells them that they're going to be her security crew. While protesting, Tech says they'll need mo a more detailed briefing than that. But Sid says there's no time, and the shuttle is already waiting for them. Wrecker uh, tosses Omega her helmet as he gets up and says, works for me. And uh, Omega cheerfully posits, maybe it'll be fun. Leaving Tech at the bar to groan about the lack of detail. I found this to be a little uncharacteristic of Sid, who up till now has generally always given them some kind of like outline of you right. have to do this, this and this and don't come back until you do. Yeah, and she would say it probably just like that. Yeah. Um, so for her not to say something kind of makes you go, mm, something's up here. Something has been up since episode one or 201, as it were. Um, 
but they're giving us hints like the empire is starting to become more dominant. Yeah. And she's already said this place is not going to last forever. That's uh, right. So she is making end game plans right here for her own survival. Was that our episode with uh, fee? Yes. So fee, we've already speculated that fee might be something, uh, somebody who has some sway. Yes. Um, certainly the way she's like, uh, insist that if they pulled off the, the Sereno then they mission that she it. would get a cut of it. Yeah. Um, and as you say, yeah, at some point the empire is going, going to, to arrive up. on Ord Mantel. Well, there's a lot of, uh, uh, suggestion here that it, we speculated all through season one, uh, after she was, uh, introduced that, um, she's a betrayal waiting to happen. Yeah. And it feels like that this episode doubles down on that. Like they really are pushing us towards like, oh, she is going to betray them. However, I put an asterisk beside that. That may change based on the events of this episode. Right. I'm going to come back to that. Cause I think yeah. there is, there is an element of betrayal that's going to happen. Asterisk with a, butt. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right. Um, we cut to uh, space where we see uh, Sid's a shuttle dropping out of hyperspace above the dusty planet of Safatoma. Safatoma is a new uh, planet appearing here for the first time, but it looks an awful lot like Tatooine from a orbit. Yeah. Dropping through the atmosphere, uh, they head in for a landing over a city that the most striking feature is a large grandstand arcing around a wide raceway, just like the one we saw at Mos Espa. Yep. Well, down below, uh, the, uh, down below the surface, sorry, below the surface of the city uh, itself, uh, there's loud music filling the air and all manner of alien species go about their business. Then two humanoids, uh, we don't actually see uh, their faces, but two humanoids armed with blasters take notice of Sid and the clones and start to follow them. Now, uh, the one fellow, he's holding a bottle of uh, presumably alcohol. Now, the alcohol translates uh, to deep core. Now, deep core, uh, it first appeared in the season one episode called Rampage. Of course, that's the episode of the Bad Batch where they had to go and rescue Moochie. Uh, Muchi the Rancor. So Deep Core, it's actually a variety of spirits that is known as Lum. L-U-M, Lum. You can think of it as uh, basically uh, Star Wars rum. <laughs> now, Lum made its first appearance way back in the West End Games uh, supplement, Tatooine Manhunt, published by, uh, sorry, published by West End Games in 1988. It was brought forward into the canon in the short story Last Call at Zero Angle. That was published in issue number 156 of Star Wars Insider Magazine in 2015. And in 2019's Jedi Fallen Order, there is actually a mention of Lum in, uh, you can trigger that response in one of the conversations that you have nice. on board the starship uh, Stinger Mantis. Nice. Now, now the, this particular bottle reads Dark Lum implying that there's multiple versions, right? Uh, I don't know if it says dark lum or not. I, I believe it does. Maybe here on the bottom. I yeah. guess I didn't. Yeah, I guess so. That would make sense though. Yeah. Just like rum. Yeah. Rum, lum. Anyway. Nice substitute. Deep core. Uh, this sequence also gives us, and this kind of, first I thought it was really cool. And then as you will find out later on, it's like, oh, it's a bit of a disappointment here, but we do get more references to our Kenner action figure guy here. Mm-hmm. Um, we see the, the, on the left-hand side of the sequence, we see the, the, we'll call him walrus man, because Might that's, well. 
that's what they called him uh, in the action the figure, right down to the flipper feet. Yep. Um, of course, Walrus Man was the name given to the character uh, from Kenner, who also gave him the flipper feet because Lucasfilm did not provide enough reference material, and they had to point to look like. And this, the action figure we got, um, of course, he's supposed to be Ponda Baba, uh, an alien from the Cantina sequence. Just a repaint. Right. <laughs> We also get uh, an appearance from a Snevian character. Now, Snevians, um, this guy, clearly a recoloring of the blue Snaggletooth action figure. And the blue Snaggletooth for the action figure, guys, you guys know this. It's the one that came with the vintage Cantina playset. Yeah. This is another case of we didn't get the reference material from Lucasfilm, so we had to guess. But that character is actually short and uh, is supposed to be dressed in red. Now, Yes, he's an homage to the blue Snaggletooth, but uh, being dressed in green. This is a character model that we saw back in uh, in season one. Now, I had the question of that that prompts you to ask: Are these just reuses of the animation assets, or are these the same characters from season one? Maybe. I had thought that. I had thought that. I could see it going either way, like because they need to populate the place. Right. But at the same time, you know, setting up a future character. Yep. And then when you go back and look and say, oh, well, he was here, here, and here. Do you remember uh, this guy back in season one, the episode where they go to visit Cut and Cut's family? Yeah. And uh, it's the uh, introduction of chain codes. Get your chain code. Mm -hmm. This guy, he's got to get on a shuttle and the clones will not let him board because he does not have his chain chain code. So immediately i'm like well maybe he got it and he got off world and now he's here on uh safatoma which is clearly not empire occupied uh not presently anyway not yet anyway yeah well as we move forward um sid and the clones make their way through the streets tech exclaims that he now understands uh, the need for additional security in a place like this sid tells him that uh, safatoma can be rough if you don't know what you're doing but she knows her way around, and she adds that if things get dicey, that's where they come in. Well, the camera shifts behind them, and we watch as the group walks out from the underground streets towards uh, an entrance to the grandstand. Now, um, I-, I got lost, in, not lost, I got really sucked into a lot of the small stuff uh, this week. As they're leaving, there's a stall on the left-hand side, uh, to uh, two Twi'leks standing there. And I don't know if this is like, is this a, like a petting zoo? What is this? An open air meat market? Maybe. Either way, uh, two of them, I was able to identify two of them. The, the top one, that's clearly a Blurg. Mm-hmm. Blurgs were introduced back in the Clone Wars. Um, they made their live action debut in The Mandalorian. The bottom one, pretty sure that's a Nuna. That's the, uh, I mean, the, we saw the roast Nuna in the book of Boba Fett. Yep. Of course, they go all the way back to the Phantom Menace. So they're again evoking that, oh, we're going back to the prequels. Mm-hmm. The middle thing, I don't know. Maybe it's the Pokemon <laughs> evolution between well, the Yeah, two. really. <laughs> Nunas evolve into uh, into, into something and then eventually a blur. blur. <laughs> Wouldn't that be funny? <laughs> All right, so um, entering the arena, um, we're met with a cacophony of cheering from the crowd, and it is literally in the thousands, and that 
is when you realize that, oh, look, it's our walrus man and our blue snaggletooth that we just walked past on the street two seconds ago have now found themselves in the crowd and you go, oh, they're just reusing the asset to populate the, the crowd. Yes, and that's and no. fine. That's fine. Well, you figure like if they were just passing them two minutes ago, literally, they're going to yeah. all rush forward to are, where we are. So we're presuming that they are the same characters that were in we're the standing street. back there. And it's like, okay, it's race time. Get out there and watch. Well, they boogied it to get in front, to get yeah. in front of them. Well, everybody's clamoring for a front row seat. I suppose so. I, you know, I'll, I'll buy that. I don't personally think it's that, but I can, again, I can contrive that and make it work. <laughs> All right. So I'm um, pushing their way to the railing. Sid and the clones watch as three speeder pods whiz by at a breakneck pace. Omega is amazed at the sight, and Sid tells her it's called riot racing. Cutting to the track. Uh, we see that the speeders are all armed with blaster cannons. Then the second place racer blasts the leader. And with just a couple of shots, the speeder loses shields and tumbles into the dirt track, crashing into a wall. Uh, but the, a protocol droid pilot spills out from the cockpit intact, albeit face first in the dirt and in a bit of a daze. Now, Wrecker shouts with excitement, wow, did you see that? And Tex says that it, it appears that anything goes out there. Then the race commentator comes over a loudspeaker announcing that someone named Teo has just overtaken the lead from Hyper Rod. Pointing at a hovering video screen with a live feed of the race, Sid points at it giddily telling the clones that Teo is her new racer. And she calls him a ringer that's going to make her a lot, a lot of money. It's like space version of death race yeah 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 <laughs> the show is really leaning into the whole uh uh race yes uh, uh, thing get our first uh, uh first uh actor um the announcer that is uh actor jonathan lipton who has over 80 uh vo voiceover credits um he was the hospitality droid g1ch also known as glitch for uh, 21 episodes of Star Wars Resistance. He also plays Makuni uh, in the English language version of Dual Masters for uh, 26 episodes. He's going to show up again uh, later on this episode. He's got another role. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, oh, sorry. And the uh, I use the <laughs> I use the floating video board for him because we don't actually see the announcer. Yeah, we just kind of hear him. Um, that does say live. Nice. Well, live feed. How many racing games have we seen that have like the floating live feed for the quote audience? To oh, see? yeah. 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 Sugar Rush and all that. The only thing we didn't get was a live, like an in car map. Yes. Plastered to the dashboard. Kind of got it in, in uh, Omega's little data pad later on, but all they needed was to have it like on yeah. the dashboard and it would have been like, oh, perfect. All right, well, making their way down to the maintenance area, Sid and the clones watch as the speeders come in from the track. From each of the repair bays, pit droid crews hustle out to meet the racers. Another episode one reference. Yeah, those little dudes. The lead speeder folds in its tail fins before coming to a stop in front of Sid and the, uh, and the clones, and a lanky droid springs from the cockpit. And uh, with arms wide open, the uh, and in a cocky voice, the droid says... Greetings, boss lady. 
Did you enjoy the show? It's impressive, wasn't it? Did you see me out there? Um, I chose to record that and, and use an actual audio clip because this character, Teo, going forward, every time he speaks, it comes with that same, like, boisterous, cocky, yeah. look at me. It's, it is that every time, and there's just no way that I can do that justice. So, yeah, that's, uh, that's Teo. As uh, Tech eloquently puts it, he says, uh, Sid's ringer is a droid. And uh, judging from his tone and behavior, he is a very vain droid at that. He asks Tech if he has a problem with droids before questioning if Tech could make the calculations uh, on the track needed to win. Then, uh, in um, uh, <laughs> and this is the funny thing too, he speaks in the third person an awful lot. Yep. He says, uh, you want to challenge Teo? When Tech tells him that he doesn't have enough information about the sport to make a decision, Teo barks at him, uh, then take a seat, spectacled spectator. <laughs> Record laughs at the punchline as he claps Tech on the shoulder, repeating it. And then uh, Sid waves her hand as she tells them, uh, save it for the course. But needing to have the last word, Teo patronizingly uh, tells her that's what he was about to say. Teo then excuses himself, saying that it's time uh, that he goes and prepare for the next race, a race that he says he's going to win. And then everybody parts and goes their own way. Do we get the impression that is because Teo is a ringer that Sid had a previous driver that is no longer with us? Well, through uh, she does kind of say that it's her her new guy. Yeah. So, but, I, but from her saying like you know if you don't know your way around here you'll get eaten but don't worry I do I know my way around she's been here before oh yeah chances are she had a previous racer and he was you know like destroyed within the race or something. Yeah, I mean the it, it, we find out later on that it's a, a it's not an even mix, but it is a mix of of droid and organic pilots. Yeah. So who knows? Maybe the last one quit. Maybe you know got out of the business. I don't know. Crash and did not make it through. But I would agree that sure she had somebody before Teo. Yeah, who that is? I don't know. Is yeah. it? Imp I don't know if it's important either. Probably not. Maybe well, unless no, they come back seeking revenge. Well, <laughs> here's here is an important <laughs> thing. Uh, by the end of the episode. Um, tech is at least uh world famous yes uh, uh here on uh South which Dakota. is not the best position not a good yeah sure when you're trying not to attract attention to yourself yeah all right let's talk about teo a little bit more here oh man um remember a I, one remember i said this was a love letter to video games well, well the episode title really <laughs> leans into uh, to, uh oh i'm gonna go through that I, i've got a whole i've got a whole sort of uh list of reasons why yeah um teo <laughs> that's actor ben schwartz um uh he was in what uh community i believe community? so well <laughs> ben schwartz uh over a hundred acting credits most of them uh, being voiceover uh he played randy cunningham in uh, ninth grade ninja he also plays leonardo or leo in rise of the teenage mutant ninja turtles however <laughs> here's a big one ben schwartz is the live action voice of sonic the hedgehog um this casting is so hilariously meta let me just run through this one more time um here's teo greetings boss lady 
Did you enjoy the show? It's impressive, wasn't it? Did you see me out there? And here's a clip uh, of Sonic. Great question. I have no idea. But please, McCaffrey, go on about how amazing I am. You can't tell me that Teo is not Robot Sonic. It's Robot Sonic. Yeah, it absolutely is. Um, he even utters the phrase, gotta go fast. <laughs> well, you know the theme song to the Sonic cartoon, right? Uh, absolutely. Gotta go faster. Gotta faster, go faster. Faster, faster, yeah, faster. Yeah. faster. Um, so we have Ben Schwartz, the voice of Sonic the Hedgehog, a video game character known for going fast. In an episode about racing called Faster, Sutter, uh, Sonic even utters the phrase, gotta go fast, in both of the live-action films. Never mind that the entire episode is at least partially based uh, or inspired by the Star Wars Episode One Racer video game. And the video game tropes keep coming, but we'll uh, talk about those a little bit more as we see them. So yeah, Ben Schwartz, <laughs> Sonic the Hedgehog, everybody. <laughs> Okay, so uh, later in the uh, repair bay, Teo and the pit droids work on the speeder pod as Sid and the others watch. Tech remarks that the pod is a 12 series speeder and they weren't built for racing or durability. There's no real reference on those no. 12 series speeder. That's kind of a new thing. I kind of thought for a second that they looked like the EVA pods, you know, the EVA pod, the junk pod that's in Watto's um, yeah. junk sharp, uh, junkyard, but it is not. Well, Teo replies, that's why we modify them. Standing back from the speeder, he beckons the group uh, to revel at his work as he calls himself an artist. And then the moment is broken when a deep voice from off camera loudly calls out, Sitterin scale back. A hulking male Dowton fills the doorway. He's flanked by two armed guards, a Gamorian and another Trandoshan. But he's also accompanied by an unarmed Nosorian. In a sinister tone, the Dawutan remarks, it's been a long time since he's uh, seen Sid around Sofatoma. Wrecker, sensing the tension, furrows his brow and takes a step forward. Sid folds her arms as she says, Malegi, I'm busy. Get out of my pit. But the big man doesn't leave, and instead he actually steps closer. Now, towering over Omega and the other clones, he asks, Not going to introduce me to your new crew? He laughs as he says uh, they're not going to help her win. But Sid hisses back, Oh, I know I'm going to win. Malegi asks Sid if she thinks her droid can beat his champion. And with that, the Nosorian steps forward, pointing at Teo. And then he says something derogatory in the Nosorian language that's not translated in the subtitles probably for good reason just says speaking nasorian <laughs> before making a slashing gesture across his throat and laughing at him wrecker asks uh, what did he just say and tech says you don't want to know <laughs> then flashing a toothy grin malegi says to sid if you're so confident how about our standard side wager sid calls it a deal and malegi laughs at her before turning to leave remarking just like old times as he goes. With the Dowton and his crew gone, Tech posits that given the familiarity between her and Malegi, this race is personal. But Sid angrily dismisses it and calls it business, adding, and we have a race to win. All right, so first of all, our Nosorian, that uh, is also 
uh, Jonathan Lipton, our uh, race commentator. Nice. Uh, this is another uh, clear callback to the Phantom Menace because the Nosaurian uh, species was first introduced there. Of course, I'm talking about uh, Klieg Holdfast, the uh, uh, pilot. He wore a bunch of medals that were supposed to be like racing medals. Um, in the theatrical version, he didn't get a big intro sequence. It wasn't until the DVD version of the Phantom Menace that he got his whole standing up on top of the, the speeder and wa waving at the crowd. All right. The uh, Dawutan species, they first appeared uh, in The Force Awakens as one of the alien species at uh, Tokodana Castle. Tokodana, Mas Kanata. Yeah, Mas Kanata's place, obviously. Now, Grinny Malegi, uh, uh, aptly named with the big grin, Grinny Malegi is voiced by veteran actor Ernie Hudson. Yep. Of course, there's no need to mention uh, any of Ernie's other acting credits because, let's face it, he is... He is sci-fi. Winston Zeddemore uh, in every, well, sorry. Almost every. Winston Zeddemore in three out of four Ghostbuster films. However, he has appeared in all of them. Now, is he going to appear in the new Ghostbusters Firehouse? I assume he will be. Is that? What's it's that? coming. That's the next oh, one. Oh, the next film. Uh, he's got to. He's, because he's, he's the guy fronting the money He's now. bankrolling the yeah. whole thing. Of course he's going to show up in it. All right. Um, although in uh, Ghostbusters, Lady Ghostbusters, also called Ghostbusters Answer the Call, yeah. um, he plays uh, Uncle Bill. Yes. To uh, provides the car. Yeah. To, to uh, um, uh, yeah. All right. So who is currently uh, hosting the, what is it? Uh, the Daily Show. Is she? Yeah. She took over from Trevor Noah. Leslie Jones. Yes. Oh, good for her. You've seen a couple episodes. She's doing really, oh, really well. Really good. I'm glad to hear that. I know there was a lot of. She was very vocal about uh, uh, some of the backlash. And, I mean, she did. She got trolled really, really hard yeah. on social media. So, and no one deserves no. the things that were said to that woman. So, good yeah. for her. Congratulations, Leslie Jones. Well, later that day, we catch up with uh, a race already underway. The speeders are zooming through a neon lit tunnel. Now, Jet Venom, our Nosaurian, uh, is running neck and neck with Teo, and he bumps the droid's uh, speeder in an effort to slow him down but the droid makes a few adjustments to his controls and stays right with him. The other speeders, or sorry, other racers fire their blasters, but the shots go wide and harmlessly impact the course, which is shielded, by the way. So the race course, uh, uh, you can't damage it by shooting at it. So either uh, heavy-duty shields or just weak blasters. Yeah, I would well, think heavy-duty shields. I agree with that. Because you get a crash in there, you want it to survive. Well, we'll get another example of why I say shielding versus blasters. Yes. Meanwhile, Sid, Tech, and Omega watch from the service way adjacent to the racetrack. And when Wrecker shows up with a large skewer of meat, he asks what he missed. Tech tells him that uh, Jet Venom and Teo are in the lead, but with the unpredictability of the course, he can't figure out who's going to win. All right. So um, it, I don't know if it's just me again, uh, and, and I'm going back to the video game thing. The neon signs now, oh, and I'm not talking about the signs specifically. Some, some form of signage is on every course, be it Mario Kart or or uh, Gran Turismo. I actually thought the the first my first impression at the bright colors and the styling of the track itself was the F Zero franchise. Very similar, I which is kind of like the anti gravity racing, right? Yeah, which they have adopted in the latest uh, yeah. Mario Kart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I feel like this is a this is leaning into sort of that that style of of racing game. I would think so. 
All right. So the neon lighting is actually a, a series of billboards and uh, man, I got really sucked in here. These billboards, not only do they advertise stuff, they rotate, meaning you get a whole new batch of stuff. So well, you don't um, burn the image into the screen. <laughs> <laughs> we have, uh, I'm going to go through this. Uh, we have discover. I don't know what the rest of that sign says, but this sign, you know, discover Tatooine or something next to that. We've got JJ's diner. Nice. Um, and then uh, beside that, we have something that now this is where like, again, I mean, I watch this stuff on a 4k TV, 65 inch 4k TV. But when I'm doing my notes, I'm rewatching them on a 24 inch monitor. That is not 4k. So sometimes I have a hard time with this hyper tutti. Hyper 2D does not really make sense to me, but that was the best I could come up with. Could be an energy drink. You know what? Maybe. Well, here's the thing. Um, the signs, if you didn't notice, thematically, whatever is on the sign, gen, uh, generally kind of is an indication of what the ad is for, which we'll see a bit later on. Yeah. We have an ad for uh, Cafe 94. Uh, presumably that's either a drink or a place or both could be then we have uh droid repair and we have get your meat sticks and on that sign is a, a neon image of the thing that wrecker just is eating, was yeah. eating yeah yeah um we have another one that says uh explore now and the purple one uh in the top left it was too fast and unintelligible to translate and we never got another look at it yeah still but don't worry there's lots more to come on that front. As the race rages on, the competitors continue to bump, grind, and shoot their way through the tunnels. And uh, in another callback to the tropes of racing games, you get these barrier walls that spring up and down uh, from the track um, that the racers are forced to swerve around. Now, one of the pilots, uh, who happens to be a BX series commando droid, bumps one of the protocol droid pilots uh, who isn't fast enough to avoid slamming into one of the barrier walls based on c-3po's appearance you wouldn't think a protocol droid would be a good pilot i guess so i i think the idea is that a droid you know not not a living thing can calculate faster than true a human brain i guess i suppose i, I can see him calculating faster but not moving faster based on what we've seen well yeah, we don't we don't see like well, mind you, <laughs> put a blaster in three PO's hand and a battle droid head on it, and yeah. uh, apparently <laughs> you can still shoot. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And we get this electrical hazard. Um, that another common video game trope. Also, going back to the Phantom Menace, does it not remind you of the uh, the yeah uh, uh, coupling? Also, in Attack of the Clones, when they drive through, through it, it, like, it don't yes. go through. It's kind of similar to that. When you throw back to Mario Kart, that is another hazard you face on one of the electricity. Levels. Yeah. Well, this electrical uh, barrier hazard goes off and it destroys another racing pod. Finally, the uh, remaining racers clear the tunnel and they zoom towards the grandstand while continuing to bump and uh, shoot at each other as they go. And as one of the pods uh, shoots, it gets bumped into spinning out of control. Unfortunately, for an unlucky Arconan spectator, uh, he takes a stray blaster bolt from the skidding pod, leaving him with a smoking hole in the chest, and uh, I'm pretty sure he falls to his death. What's more troubling about that is that nobody 
absolutely nobody bats an eye at that and they immediately go back to cheering the race yep they are not legally obligated to provide your safety they all do the duck and cover and yep. I'm, I'm not talking about the racetrack the officials i'm talking about the crowd everybody yep. in the section does the duck and cover and as soon as it's over they all kind of look like oh well wasn't me. <laughs> and then they go right back to the race yep that's disturbing it is but when you're watching a death race you know stuff can come off the track at you at that point, our race commentator pipes over the PA, be mindful of blaster fire. Safatoma Speedway is not liable for any injury, death, or disintegration. Perfect. And getting back to the race, uh, he announces that the competitors are approaching Gambler's Gulch, another classic video game trope where the racer reaches a junction and must choose the appropriate course in order to avoid certain death and or destruction. But more on that later. Mm-hmm. And just like in any number of other racing video games, there are three tunnels to choose from. Two of them marked with giant green lights, while the leftmost tunnel is marked in red. Additionally, the red tunnel has what appears to be an orange uh, shield-like barrier stretching across it. As Teo and the other racers zoom up a ramp towards the junction, Sid radios uh, yelling at Teo, Do not take the left tunnel! Of course, Teo, with his uh, superiority complex, derides her. I know what I'm doing. Omega asks what's wrong with the left tunnel, and Sid tells her it's a death trap. Then Wrecker blurts out, the whole race is a death trap. Exactly. As the race enters the third and final lap, Jet Venom is in the lead, but uh, the pack is right behind him. Well, then the race commentator announces that Teo is closing in fast. Staring at her data pad, Sid exclaims, he's going to do it, while Wrecker and Omega watch over her shoulder. Um, this is another callback to uh, the Phantom Menace. I even included the image there of uh, them watching Anakin On the uh, data pad, staring yeah. at the data pad. <laughs> well, Grinny Malegi uh, watches a live feed of the race from the comfort of his uh, private box that overlooks the racetrack. Picking up a comm link, he flashes a sinister grin as he, uh, he radios, get him in the crunch. It appears that Malegi has more than one racer in his pocket as a uh, Nikto pilot positions himself between Jet Venom and Teo and deploys a retractable claw, which is completely legal because the race commentator cracks a joke. Uh-oh, it's steel claw time. I feel a Venom crunch coming on. Sid screeches at Teo, get out of there. Then Jet deploys a kind of buzzsaw and he reduces his speed, sinking the blade deep into the nose of Teo's racing pod. Sparks fly and the Nikto releases his claw. Maneuvering around Teo, he takes up second place. And as Jet Venom wins the race, Teo thunders in, tumbling down the track as both his pod and his body fragment into dozens of pieces. From his high-rise uh, private box, Grinny Malegi laughs as he and his crew celebrate the win. Well, down at track level, uh, Sid and the clones try to salvage what they can from the pod. Tex says that some of it is reusable, while Wrecker collects the pieces of Teo's body. Optimistically, Omega suggests maybe they can put him back together again. But then Malegi and the crew show up to collect angrily sid tells him you'll get your credits just give me some time i'm good for it but malegi tells her that's not how it works she's out of time 
Nervously, Sid barks at the clones to step up, reminding them this is why she brought them. Wrecker uh, drops tail, and then both he and Tex slowly reach for their weapons. But before they can do anything, Malegi's guards draw down on them. With the tension getting thicker by the second, Omega jumps in asking how much does Sid owe? Malegi tells her it's more than she has. But Omega tells the Dauten they're not done yet. He just laughs at her as he says, it looks like you're done to me. But Omega insists that they have one more race. And if Malegi should win, they'll pay him double. But if they should win, then they take Sid free and clear. Sid looks at Omega tenderly. And did you catch that? Yeah. The tender look, which is very, again, uh, uncharacteristic Uncharacteristic. for her, where she actually kind of, She's usually pretty stone-faced. Yeah, she breaks that harsh safety. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sid looks at Omega tenderly before Malegi tells her, you don't know what you're getting into, kid. Well, Tech and Wrecker both agree, but Omega insists that if they don't do something, Malegi and his crew are going to hurt Sid. So pressing him, Omega asks if they have a deal. Malegi agrees, saying that they'll race tomorrow, but until then, he's keeping Sid for collateral as Malegi turns to walk away uh he leaves them with one final warning for your sakes you better be able to pay up down in the pit the clones go about repairing teo and the racing pod as best they can omega remarks that the pod is were in worse shape than she thought she asks uh how teo is and tech tells her that he's partially operational but with a few more adjustments, he might actually be able to race again. Teo, who is actually awake at this point uh, and is completely unaware that he's in pieces, asserts uh, that Tech is hilarious, boasting that I'm more than capable. But then uh, he looks down and is horrified that he's in pieces, yelling, where are my arms and legs? And right on cue, Wrecker walks in with Teo's last remaining limb and throws it on the workbench. Tech and Omega then set about to reassemble him. And even though he's in several pieces, um, it has done nothing to instill a sense of humility. As uh, Teo critiques Tech, telling him, that's not how you do it. Let Teo instruct you. (laughs) Tech just cocks his head and stares at the droid unblinking. And you can hear him say like, really? (laughs) Leaning against the workbench, Wrecker says that instead of fixing the speeder, they should be taking out the gangster. But Tech tells him that they can't just simply apply their military tactics to the situation because Malegi is not only dangerous, he's also connected. And even if they did rescue Sid, he would certainly come after them. Teo pipes up uh, saying that the rumor is that uh, the last person that failed to pay Malegi is now taking a permanent pit stop in the Eastern sand dune, which I find funny because that's an awful, that's so awfully close to the Eastern dune sea, a uh, desert feature on Tatooine, but this is not Tatooine. This is maybe this is like the twin planet of Safa Toma tattoo Tatooine. <laughs> Tatooine too. <laughs> exactly. Well, then Omega cuts in and says that's why they have to win the race and save Sid. Tech points out that uh, this isn't the first time. Well, did I actually go too far? I went too far. Sorry. Uh, But Tech points out that this isn't the first time that Sid has needed their help 
because of the relationships uh, that she has with people of what he calls questionable integrity. And he calls it a problematic pattern. And I would agree with that. Well, he is keeping track of her associates. Like yeah, can't absolutely. Think for one second, he's not keeping a detailed list of everybody that she has put them in contact with. Well, I'm, I'm or gonna, in danger of. I'm going to bring up the Fijanoa thing again. She's the Fijanoa is the one who put uh, Sid uh, onto the the Serenin castle, the the war chest. Yeah. One day, it's not going to work out, and Sid is going to cross the wrong person, yeah. and it's going to be the clones who will end up paying for it. Well, then Teo reminds everyone that uh, he is the most important thing in any room that he's in. And he rudely reminds them that they were working on repairing him. Going so far as to say, how about a little less chatter and a little more spanner? Get that spanner off your belt, Ace. Meanwhile, in the, his VIP box, Malegi collects a bottle of spirits from the bar and he joins Sid in the next, in the next room. He pours a glass and he offers a toast to old time. But Sid says she's not interested in old times, that she's changed. But Malegi insists that uh, hustlers like them never change. And one day, this new uh, crew of outcasts that she's put together will get to know the real Sid. Again, that's kind of foreboding, really yeah. suggesting that somewhere down the, the line. time that she screwed somebody over. Right. Um, and again, like I said, season one, it was like, oh, she's like a betrayal waiting to happen. Yeah. And she had them under her thumb as hard as she could. This scene, I think is more for, was more for us as the audience to like, remind us that, oh yeah, she could flip at any time. Yeah. And I, I kind of think she will, but the seed is planted, right? Like it is that, that little bit of, you know, I'm not who I used to be. Yeah. She well, is growing and she did say that clones. she did say that, uh, you know, I've changed. How much remains to be seen? Exactly. The problem is we don't know the old Sid. We we don't we don't know what she was capable of or what she did. So, yeah, but we are getting glimpses. We are. We are. That's true. All right. Well, Sid shoots him a sideways look as she hisses. I might surprise you. And Malegi laughs as he says, uh, "I doubt that." And uh, he takes a long pull right from the bottle. So apparently, the one glass he brought in was for her. We go trackside the next day where a race is already in progress and tech watches from a platform on the edge of the service way as the ra the pack of racing pods whizzes by. I half waited to see if one of the huts was going to, you know, slink out there too. <laughs> and spit on a bell. Yeah. <laughs> Wrecker and Teo load some parts onto a hover cart as Omega tells the droid, you're up next, Teo. Wrecker asks him, Teo, if uh, he thinks he can win and defaulting to his usual boastfulness, Teo laughs as he tells him, I will ignore that obvious question, but then answers the question flatly. Yes, I can. <laughs> Wrecker reminds him that he did lose the last race and Teo calls it a miscalculation that he will not repeat. Joining tech on the uh, platform at the edge of the service way Teo uh, notices Tech looking at the track layout on his data pad, and he asks why he's studying it. Tech tells him that he's analyzing the course and the patterns of the other racers, and he calls it quite fascinating. But just like when Tech was reattaching his arm, Teo tells him that he's doing that wrong also. 
then stepping off the platform onto the service way, Teo begins to cross back to the repair pit as he tells Tech that it's all about strategy and skill, of which you have zero. Wrong. Well, Tech, who, by the way, doesn't even turn around to look at him, says uh, that his strategy is flawed, and he says it would be wiser to divert power to the reflector shields from the primary weapon system. Teo, stopping in his track, turns back to Tech laughing as he calls that an amateur mistake, adding that is precisely why Teo is their only uh, chance at victory. He tells Tech to uh, open his eyes that if he wants to win, offense is the best. But before he can finish the sentence, Teo is smote by a racing pod that has just crashed onto the service way. Smoted him. He got smote real good. (laughs) I think I I paused and I watched that, I don't know, three or four times. And every time it was just like that mid sentence. Yep. It was like a coyote road rider moment. It's just like the uh, the speech in Deep Blue Sea. (laughs) Like, bring on the shark. I don't think there was a better word for this other than smote. Smote. Yeah. Picking up what's left of the droid, Wrecker states the obvious, uh, I don't think Tail will be, real, uh, be able to race. Then conveniently, Malegi, along with his armed guards and Sid, show up. Malegi calls the uh, calls Safatoma a dangerous place to race. Do you think he had anything to do with that? If it was an accident, like a pod just flying out? Yeah. No. But it works in his favor. I got the impression and I didn't get an image of it, but it, uh, I guess the, the Nikto pilot there, the way that he gets out and he kind of does the double take, like, mm. Hey, did anybody see that? And then he just kind of wanders away. And the fact that he's there, Malegi, Malegi's like, there like right immediately. There. Like, do you think he's, I feel like he kind of maybe said, you know, if you get a chance at him, take, take him it. out. Yeah. Yeah. It wouldn't shock me. Well, Sid looks at the droid and calls him, <laughs> says, he's fine. She pleads, snap out of it, Tin Bin. But all Teo can muster is a bleak, I regret nothing, before his eyes go dark and his head and neck fall limp. Malegi says, uh, tough luck. And he calls it a forfeit, meaning not only do they lose the race, but now they have to come up with the credits to pay him off credits they just don't have omega looks up at wrecker and says we have to do something but it's tech who blurts out i will be the racer that's my boy tech stepping up yep again well then everyone looks at uh uh uh, tech uh incredulously including malegi and his crew as wrecker blurts out what then it uh, sets in uh he's not joking And suddenly, uh, Sid is behind the idea as she exclaims, You heard him! The bet's still on! Grinning from ear to ear, Malegi answers, I never stop a fool from losing his life to make me rich. We then cut to Tech as he hops in the racing pod and begins the startup sequence. Then the track uh, commentator calls out, Place your bets! Our racers are ready! And in another callback to the Phantom Menace, the announcer proceeds uh, to introduce all the racers one by one. There's the current riot champion, Jet Venom, the Nosaurian. Bosco, the Mad Bomber Bricks, a green Nikto, who coincidentally is the racer that uh, killed the Arconan Spectator. Hmm. We have uh, Steel Claw Kane, who is a red Nikto. Then we get, uh, <laughs> this is funny, actually. 
we get someone uh, named Vicious Vid Santari, who is not actually shown. Hmm. They cut to a, a crowd a crowd shot, and it's just the crowd like kind of yay, yeah. but we don't actually see this guy. Well, then we have uh, Hacks on the War Gnome Trogenics, who is our BX series commando droid. Then we get uh, Quick Draw Quasar, a protocol droid with a B1 battle droid head. An obvious callback Throwback, to yep. uh, uh, C-3PO in Attack of the Clones. Yep. Then we get uh, the Trickster, the Trickster Flash Raktor, who is an actual protocol droid. And Hyper Rod, another protocol droid piloting his seven deuce blaster. And finally, Tech. <laughs> tech? The announcer's boisterous uh, voice falls off as he repeats himself. Tech? Uh, anything else on this guy? No, I guess he's a late arrival. Is that his name? Tech? Just Tech? The crowd looks as confused as the race announcer sounds. Now, um, I had to skip ahead uh, for a second here to look at this because I'm like, there's a reason. Like that whole like we always say, uh, everything is intentional. Why do they not show this Vid Santari guy? Maybe they didn't animate him because he's not in the race. We have nine racers that they announced, but when we see the speeders jump off the line, we get a very clear shot of them all as they go into the tunnel, and there are only eight racing pods. Hmm. So, you know, Maybe. as I said, somebody forgot to animate somebody. Yeah. The cheaper option would have been cut the line of dialogue there, guys. Just True. a simple edit. In fact, they could still do that right now, and it would be completely fixed true anyway uh vid santari you never saw him and you never will at least not in this episode well maybe his pod failed at the uh, starting line well this is the thing like and when you go back and watch it there there isn't he left there there isn't in fact you know how they did the the in the phantom menace when everybody shut off the line and anakin was kind of left there yeah there is a moment tech is the last pod off the line so when you when you freeze frame it when they go He's kind of sitting there and then he goes, which is kind of neat. Mm -hmm. All right. Um, at the starting line, the racers close their canopies and the countdown timer begins. Then the start line switches to green and all eight pods jump off the line, barreling towards the tunnel. And uh, it's right back into the rotating billboards where we're treated to a, a whole host of new ads. Uh, this one's kind of funny. We get a reference to a GNK. Of course, GNK, uh, that's a model of droid. Um, Gonk. You might re remember Gonky. Yep. Gonky is a GNK droid, a power droid. We need then, him back. Yeah. Where is he? I'll say he's with uh, Hunter and Echo right now, but he needs to show up again. Yeah. 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 I mean, he's the universal. I mean, <laughs> he's got multiple applications. Uh, as we've seen in other Star Wars media, yep, uh, including uh, what camp stove, camp stove. <laughs> Didn't he act as a, uh, a tool tray at one point? Yeah, um, uh, weights for working out. Yep. All right, we get another ad that says uh, your ad here, um, and then we've got uh, storage, and then we have uh, Nebula, and this next one, it's going to come back, but th this was the first time we see it. It's T and j tj repair but the middle character i don't recall ever seeing that character before this episode no um but we're gonna have more on that later on in the episode and lastly 
Meat stick. That's for Wrecker. Yeah. I wonder if it's Nerf. <laughs> Maybe. I thought it looked like a pizza, to be honest. But hmm. Well, right off the hop, uh, Jet Venom takes an early lead and uh, down a long straight section of the tunnel, he activates a, a set of rear-facing blasters and Mad Bomber Bricks takes it on the nose, skidding into the tunnel wall, but his uh, shields hold and he's able to regain control. Unfortunately, it slows him down enough that the entire pack uh, passes him, uh, leaving him in last place. Second last place. Oh, he drops right to the back. I know, but oh, well, mystery racer. Oh, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wherever San he may Santari. Be. I don't know where you're at, man. Uh, then we pass through an elbow in the tunnel with yet another round of advertising. All right. So we get a uh, sale week uh, land speeder sale. This is what I was saying. Like the, the ads themselves uh, can offer a clue as to what the translation is. Mm -hmm. So we get the obvious one for land speeders. Then the next one we have uh, explore now. I don't know what we're exploring, but they want you to explore it. Some sort of destination world. And then we get, this is an interesting one. Coruscant and the bottom right, beautiful. Mm. So, are they trying to uh court people to move there? You would think so. To me, that's a real estate thing, like it's like buy property, yeah, on beautiful Coruscant. I couldn't make out the leftmost one, it was just too obscure for yeah. me. Um, and like I say, when you're low resolution monitor and you start closing in on it, it doesn't get there's a point where it stops getting better and it just gets worse. Yeah. Uh, and unfortunately I just don't have the resolution I need to translate that. And even again, like I said, sometimes even going upstairs and turning on the 65 inch 4k TV and taking a photo of the TV, um, which can be better, wasn't enough to, to be able to pull that one off. So, sorry, I tried. All right, but there's an interesting thing here. As I was saying before, the ads, they are rotate. They rotate. So you yeah. do get um, uh, like different things on each screen. One of them rotates in this sequence, and we get this uh, really cool ad, which the contrast was so, I had to dull, uh, I had to turn it down so that I could actually see what the characters were. I actually thought it was gibberish. And the last time we thought we saw gibberish, it really made us angry. Mm -hmm. And I was about to abandon the, uh, the translation on this one, but I, I kept at it. And if it didn't come up to be a little Easter egg, and this is our, our deep solo cut. This is an advertisement for the musical duo of Arodia Ventifoli and Lulio Primok. We were introduced to these two characters back in Solo, where they were performing on Dryden Voss's yacht. How cool is that? Musical act when they were just starting out. So, Arodia uh, is a best-selling human female recording artist who performs with a multi-vocoder, uh, allowing her to boost her voice into non-human frequencies. Now, Lulio Primok uh, is what's... an uh, New alien species for solo, a Galusian. Galusian? 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 Yeah. Male Galusian. They make this character uh, out to be old. Like he's an old timer. Mm. He was a musician prior to the Clone War. Or sorry, he is a musician. Prior to the Clone Wars, he was also a renowned Holovid star. He was a movie star 
where he performed using a humanoid exosuit. Hmm. So that's pretty cool. So if he was a star before the Clone War, by the time we get to Solo, mm-hmm. yeah. Because uh, we're talking, what, eight or nine uh, years-ish difference? Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, there is your deep cut Solo uh, cool. reference. I don't think there's anybody out there uh, talking about that one. Not that I, anything that I saw or read uh, this last week. Well, now I want to go look and see if there is. <laughs> Might have scooped them all. <laughs> Maybe. Okay. Back at the pit, Omega monitors text uh, uh, process. Th- uh, process. My Progress. gosh. Progress through her data pad. Uh, Wrecker asks what place he's in, and she tells him that he's in last, but he is catching up. Wrecker radios Tech to tell him that he's got to do something. And Tech says that he is. It's called strategizing. But Wrecker blurts out, no, it's called losing. <laughs> Tech continues to move up the pack. And uh, as they uh, round uh, into yet another ad-filled uh, tunnel, he takes a volley of blaster fire. Fortunately, his shields uh, withstand the impact, and he presses on. <laughs> All right, our next round of ads, we get uh, Blue Milk. Nice. We get uh, the GNK droid again, and then we get your ad here, space available. And then everything below that, I again, I could not. Yeah. I could make out characters here and there, but I, I couldn't get them all. Probably something like call today. <laughs> this last one makes me laugh. The first word is lease. There's a word beside it that you can't see because this, the screen is actually cut off. First 10 days, and then the last line, no questions asked. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Sounds like a good place to go. Yeah. No questions asked. And again, the signs rotate. And you know that that one, the TJ thing? Yeah. It comes back. Really? It comes back around, only it's much closer now, and we get a much clearer look at it this new mystery character so right we have this mystery character which prompted me to like i messaged you and hank and i'm like guys have we ever seen and my first question was is it is it because the t and the j is obvious Mm. is it an and tj tj's got to be a name or t and j and i'm like have we ever seen an ampersand no i can't recall seeing an ampersand anywhere no um it is part of the font i've I've downloaded a couple of Orabesh font sets yeah. and the ampersand is part of the font sets, but it doesn't look like that. Hmm. It does not look like that. It looks like a combination of like the E and the T. Hmm. So Hank, uh, and I wish he was here to talk about this. Uh, unfortunately, he's not sends me a link to a Twitter feed from 2020 from Auric fonts um, talking about sort of the history of Orabesh. Orabesh, by the way, showed up in uh, return of the Jedi in 1983 but in return of the Jedi, it didn't it mean anything. It didn't No, yeah. It wasn't evolved to the, uh, to where it is now. The language or the, the alphabet actually came around from the West end games, role-playing game. The problem is when they made the font set, there was no ampersand. Hmm. So that same year, 1996, this fan, Mike Webb, creates uh, uh, his own font uh, for Orabesh. He calls it Orabesh. The only distinction is an A. And uh, in that, he creates his own uh, ampersand, uh, the first ampersand uh, ever created. So um, the implication is, 
Lucasfilm has just canonized that font set because I can't recall seeing that anywhere else before. Yeah. So way to go. They used a, a fan created thing That's in an official, cool. uh, official production. Mm-hmm. Um, I just want to pause for a second and I, I just want to let you guys know if you've been watching our short videos, we are going to do a brief history on sort of the origin of the uh, Orabesh, uh, the alphabet and uh, what it means. And we're going to talk a bit more about that history thing. So stay tuned for that. Okay. So uh, T&J repair. Nice. Rocketing out of the tunnel towards a gambler's gulch, Mad Bomber Bricks drops six explosive canisters that uh, end up taking out Flash Ractor, bringing up the rear. Tech heads toward uh, the gulch, while Omega radios him uh, with the warning, don't take the left tunnel, reminding uh, him that Sid called it a death trap. The display inside Tech's racing pod concurs as it flashes alert, and Tech shoots into the center tunnel. Inside the Gulch, Tech calls Omega, asking her to send him the schematics for the left tunnel. Wrecker asks, shouldn't you just focus on not getting blown up? And Tech tells him flatly, I can do both. Haxon, the commando droid, closes in behind Tech, and he hits him with a volley of cannon fire, uh, which causes Tech's rear shields to begin to overheat. But Tech makes an adjustment, and he shunts power from his weapons to make up for classic classic video game trope uh power management yeah uh, especially in a star wars game where we've seen that in uh x-wing and of course more recently uh star wars squadrons when omega frantically tells him uh, they're all over you tech reasons that he needs more speed so pulling onto the service way he ejects the cannon module from his racing pod telling them that they were only slowing him down Get a good look here at uh, at uh, Omega's uh, data pad where we can actually see what that says. Uh, Sofatoma race uh, racetrack uh, uh, danger <laughs> uh, avoid and for some reason enhanced. I presume that's the enhanced uh, view of the the layout. Again, if this had been plastered on the dashboard of the racing pod, it would have been like, oh, perfect, you've got the map. Yeah, so you can make that decision. But again. Uh, you know, well, he's uh, getting sent to him, so maybe it does display in there somewhere for him. Maybe, maybe. Um, but again, that's another classic video game trope, you yeah. know, to see a second have your little map, the map, yeah. the mini map. <laughs> and in yet another classic video game trope, tech hits the boost and he rockets off on his next lap. Um, love, love. <laughs> love the visual effect on this um the, trail. the trails coming off yeah um of course this has been used in all sorts of racing video games not the least of which is the entire sonic franchise yeah um but again a little closer to home we've also seen it in games like uh star wars jedi starfighter also they used a trail effect like this on the racing ships in star wars resistance nice resistance if you haven't uh watched it most of the first season revolves around uh racing uh um uh, fighter fighter racing actually yeah hmm. well from Malegi's private box both sid and her captor watch in disbelief as tech jettisons his weapons down in the tunnels tech dodges one of the retractable barrier walls as well as the energy barrier 
He remarks uh, that his plan has worked, and he now has increased speed and maneuverability. But Wrecker reminds him that he's still in last place, especially now that he's pulled onto the serviceway. Yeah. But it doesn't last long because he blows past Mad Bomber Bricks like he's standing still. Then Omega gets some disturbing information on the data pad. And the reason why the racers have been avoiding the left tunnel at Gambler's Gulch is because there is a large portion of the track that's missing. It's physically not there. Relaying the readout to Tech's onboard display, uh, he notes that it is also the shortest tunnel and he can use that to his advantage. Omega cries out, it's too dangerous. The speeder can't make that jump. But Tech asserts that it can if he's going fast enough and doing, uh, sorry, dodging another retractable barrier tech dives down the left tunnel with mad bomber bricks hot on his tail as tech enters the dangerous tunnel wrecker and omega uh look uh have looks both of them showing uh, a lot of concern sorry wrecker and omega share a look uh, both of them showing concern up at malegi's private box the gangster laughs while a downtrodden sid shakes her head Moving at incredible speed, Tech nearly overdrives his headlights uh, on the racing pod as he scrapes the tunnel walls. Seeing a portion of the of the tunnel rotted away, he uses another boost of speed to push the racing pod up and around the tunnel wall to avoid uh, falling through the hole. But uh, the Mad Bomber is determined to catch him, and he matches the daring move. Unfortunately, Bricks isn't carrying enough speed and he clips the tunnel ceiling and falls into the hole below. Oops. Yep. Emerging out the uh, other side of the tunnel, uh, Tech sees that he's now in third place. So using a, a nearby ramp, he performs yet another boost action, uh, dropping himself between Jet Venom and Steel Claw Kane. Both Venom and Kane pepper him with blaster fire and Tech's shields begin to buckle. Wrecker shouts at Tech not to let them box him in. At the same time, Venom deploys his cutting blade while Kane deploys the claw arm. Switching to his tactical display, Tech can see that he's about to be crunched. But at the last second, he swerves and the claw grabs Venom's speeder instead. Tech pulls hard to the left and drops his speed to get out of the way as the two racers collide in front of him. Nicely done. The crowd is on their feet at this point as everyone is watching the tunnel trepidatiously. Then a pod bursts from the rolling dust cloud and streaks over the finish line and it's Tech! Omega and Wrecker can't contain themselves as they uh, shout and cheer and even the crowd is supportive as they throw their hands in the air. But not everyone is happy as uh, Malegi, um, he slams his legs before turning to look down at the track from the window of his private box. Sid folds her arms smugly as a smile cre uh, creeps across her face. Down at the track, Tech hops out of the racing pod as Wrecker and Omega rush out to greet him. Omega shouts, you did it! And Tech retorts, you sound surprised. That's almost a Teoism. <laughs> or Teo uh, with a techism. <laughs> Boisterously, Wrecker tells him, I thought you were a goner. And then the adoration of the crowd hits them, and Tech turns to take it all in as the crowd is now chanting his name. Standing like a Roman gladiator with his helmet under his arm, 
Tech offers a salute to his adoring fan, adoring fans. Later in Malegi's private box, the clones arrive and Wrecker announces that they're here to collect Sid. Malegi's armed guards raise their weapons, but he gestures for them to lower them. Malegi says they're square, while Sid uncharacteristically remarks how good Tech was during the race a sentiment not shared by his competitor, Jet Venom, who's sitting at the bar beside them with a blaster pistol lying in front of him. He says uh, something gruff in the Nosaurian language and then takes a drink and looks down at the pistol. Nervously, Sid uh, trips over her words as she utters, I, um, I, I, uh, well, I, I guess I owe you one. Stoically, Tech answers, yes, I would agree. And with that, she scolds at him. She, she scolds him as she says, I'll make it up to you. And she waves, come on, we're out of here. And she storms off. Jet Venom reaches for the blaster on the bar, but Malegi stops him with one of his giant hands. He then calls out to the clones. Hey, you three. The clones pause and turn around in the doorway. Malegi says, uh, you could have walked away. He goes on to say that that kind of loyalty is admirable, but with Sid, it doesn't always go both ways. And he finishes by, by telling them, watch your backs. A little bit of uh, honor among gangsters there. Yeah, almost, almost. Omega frowns uh, at uh, Mulligy's words, and then she and her brothers leave the box. As they walk away, Wrecker, with a big grin, claps Tech on the shoulder. And then we cut to one final overhead look at the uh, Safatoma Speedway as we uh, cut to black. And that uh, is our episode. Nice. Man, uh, I, I, I loved this one. <laughs> I loved it way more than, uh, than I probably should have. Um, while it's still sort of fresh in my mind, I'm just going to go. I, I just want to end on this. Um, we've talked about it uh, this episode again i just want to come back to the sid is probably going to betray them yeah but here's the thing um now that she actually has a little bit of indebtedness to them and she's voiced it now i owe you one yeah that adds a whole new th there's the asterisk there's the the but well at the same time though like i think the look she gave to omega yeah like you know I kept you guys under my thumb for a year and yet you're still going to stick your neck out for me. Yeah. Maybe it's changing on her perspective. I think so. Like Omega is having an impact on her. Oh yeah. Absolutely. I think that there is a, every possibility that she will still, because we have people like, uh, Fee Genoa, who, as I said before, probably has some influence over her yeah. for whatever reason. And it's probably the betrayal is probably going to come from a higher. Yeah. Like, influence. I'm sorry. I had no choice. So she's going to have to do it. But at the same time, has it already happened? I don't know. Maybe because like, we, when fee walks in, she's like, Oh, so this is the group. Of this clones. is your, yeah. She might've already divulged that information oh, maybe, to them. Maybe. And wheels are in motion that the empire are about to be made aware of possibly. Well, more so because rampart already knows with fee being a, a pilot though like look at how uh, again it's your old pal hondo yeah i mean look at how hondo flipped back and forth he was constantly flipping sides right yeah 
So if if Fee is our stand-in for Hondo in this series, I mean, one minute he's your friend, the next, you know, he's your frenemy, right? Yeah, and it's all just business. If if Fee as the as the heavier, uh, uh, bigger gangster in this situation forces Sid to do something, you know, is there a chance that Sid could just make it look like she sold them out and really not do it? Maybe like faking their death or, you know, in that sort of in that vein. True. I don't know. I don't know. What do you guys think? Uh, we want to know what you guys think. So do drop us a, a line on the comments with your thoughts on uh, where you think the, uh, this series is going here uh, for the remainder of the season. Um, we got lots more to cover. Totally. Is there anything, anything else you want to touch on? Before uh, we... The only missing element from uh, the whole race trope. Yeah. Would be the absence of decals on the race, like the pods themselves. Oh, like actual sponsorship. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we got our uh, first comment coming from Facebook tonight. And uh, it says, uh, what would it have done for the series? If it was Hondo rather than Sid, that the batch work for, I'm not convinced that Hondo isn't somewhere in the background, like as oh, a, sure a, a, an associate or, you know, maybe, uh, uh, a fee is subservient to hondo maybe he Could is be. pulling the strings at the at the highest level yeah you know the most trustworthy pirate i know yeah and i don't know man uh hondo is this like he's an enigma i mean a character that's introduced in the clone wars and yet he's made it all the way i mean he is a he is a fixture at galaxy's edge so he survived into the sequel era man like there is so much you could do with old story yeah i don't know i really don't know oh like we know they're never they're going to do as much as they can yeah so at some point they will fill that story in I I hope so because he's certainly I consider him a, a a fan favorite character. Well, judging by when his Black Series figure came out, it flew wow. off the shelves. Well, it was a it was a Galaxy's Edge, uh, one of the exclusives. Exclusives. We got them up here though. Yeah. We got in Canada. We got them through what? Uh, Toys R Us. Toys, Toys R Us. Yeah, they did come to Toys R Us. I got one. <laughs> and the other thing too, the yeah. uh, the team up of the two racers. That was also like a nice throwback to racing films, right? Like you have your oh, yeah. Bobby oh, yeah. or you have your literal <laughs> racing team. I, so, I mean, I got the impression now that, so both uh, uh, Mad Bomber Bricks and Steel Claw Kane, uh, they are all so working. For they're Malegi. all in Malegi's pocket, right? Yeah. He's clearly they're on the, on the take. Yeah. Ugh. When you get to that level though, you want to be back in multiple racers to increase your chances. I guess so. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like you got your poster boy and then your backups. Um, the private box. That was pretty impressive. Yeah. I'm like, I, I wasn't listening to the uh, descriptive, uh, had I turned the descriptive audio on sooner, I would have heard that it was clearly a private box. I'm like, is this like an apartment? Does he live above the racetrack? <laughs> There's a full service bar in there. Everything you need for a private box. I thought, man. Okay. That's, that's pretty impressive. Yeah. Uh, one other thing I want to mention, uh, about this episode this week, and I'd seen this now I'm not, I am not corroborating this. I am not confirming. And I don't even, I don't even agree with that, but in the same vein as, uh, walrus man and uh, blue snaggletooth, 
one of Malegi's guards, the Trandoshan guard, is a reuse, uh, another animation model reuse. And he's one of the Trandoshans from the Clone Wars, from the episode where they were hunting the Wookiees. Okay. Some people are saying it's the same guy. I don't, I don't buy that um, because that character, I, I believe that particular animation model for that character actually died. Well, there are enough of them out there. Like they're not just limited to Jabba's palace. Uh, no, absolutely. They're not. Um, it's just, again, coming to the conclusion that, oh, they're just reusing re- uh, animation models to, to fill. It makes sense. I, I oh, get for it. sure. Um, so no, I don't believe that the Trandoshan guy with the red, the red tips. Yeah. I don't believe that he is the same character that we saw. No. In the Clone Wars. And it's completely likely like multiple people have blonde hair. So multiple <laughs> Trandoshans can have like little. Sure. Red tips. Sure. Sure. I actually thought for a second, I I'd said this um, to you guys in the private chat. I, I wondered like, are they doing a Jurassic park thing? Like the evolution of the Raptors where they were giving them feathers and stuff. And I'm like, Oh wait, no, no, it's not feathers. It's just, just red tips on the, the horn bits on the back of his head. So maybe it's like a horn tattoo. Maybe, maybe, maybe it's a male, I don't know, male, female, who knows? I don't know. I don't know. Lizard. He went to one of them genetic. I don't know. (laughs) All right. Uh, that's it for us here at, uh, at Phantom power. We will be back, um, one week from today with uh, episode five. I don't know what that one's called yet, but it's just a couple days away. It's, uh, just what? Three days away. Entombed. I believe it's called entombed. Oh, that's, uh, that's very foreboding. That sounds like a cheerful. They're going to be stuck in something terrible. All right. Well, listen, uh, do, uh, hang around, do, uh, stick around for our next one. Also keep uh watch out, uh, during this week, hopefully get a, at least one short video out. I really want to finish up the language thing that we were talking about. Cause I think that's, uh, mm-hmm. uh, keep that one rolling while we're talking about it. Um, and yeah. Oh, thank you, Sean, for the compliment. Uh, love putting the show together every week. Um, keeps me going anyway, mm. <laughs> but until then everybody for fandom power, My name is Wes. I'm Andy. And we will catch you on the next one, guys. So bye for now. And for Hank. Woohoo. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Oh, Hank. Bye for now. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening to Fandom Power. Be sure to like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram and Twitter. Stay tuned for our next episode where we'll be talking about another one of your favorite fandoms.